Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Our Lady in Doctrine and Devotion, the show dedicated to furthering the knowledge and love of the Mother of God, presented by member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Krasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Hello again. Well, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Annunciation, as we've been following the life of Our Lady. Obviously, this is a most important event in Our Lady's life and the salvation of mankind, and we'll spend the rest of our episode today discussing it. So where would you like to begin, Father? Uh, well, uh, the first thing I would say is that for uh, many reasons, the Annunciation is not only a very important uh, event in Our Lady's life, which it is, but actually one of the most important events in, the, in history. Um, so I think the best way to tackle it will be to first speak a little bit about the circumstances, what happened, and then we can comment upon it. So to get what happened, obviously we go to the Gospels and then to the traditions and common opinions of the fathers and doctors, which add some information. Um, so what happens is essentially um, summarized in this way. Saint Gabriel, the archangel, was sent by God to Nazareth, which is a city in Galilee, in the north of the Holy Land, which was where Our Lady was living. As we saw in the previous episode, if I recall, this Our Lady was already uh, married to Saint Joseph, and Our Lady was very young. Our Lady was, according to the common opinion, praying in her humble or poor dwelling, and she was praying for the coming of the Redeemer. And then Saint, uh, Saint Gabriel appears to her, salutes her, saying, obviously, as we know, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And then the angel announces to her that she will conceive Jesus, the Son of the Most High and our Savior. And then Our Lady asks how this would be done, how it would take place, since she vowed uh, to remain always a virgin. She hasn't used those words, but the words imply, imply that vow. Then the angel explains that she will conceive indeed, but not of man, but of the Holy Ghost. And thus she will be able to remain, uh, to become a mother, the mother of the Savior, while remaining always a virgin. And the angel points out that nothing is impossible uh, for God. So then Our Lady said those uh, very well-known uh, words, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be done to me according to thy word. Uh, then the angel departs, and it, it was at that moment that the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, came down from heaven and became man in the womb of our Blessed Lady without ceasing to be true God. So that's in a, in a nutshell what happened in the Annunciation. Father, I think it's noteworthy that although the Gospel does not mention it, <clears throat> The saints tell us that Our Lady was visited by the angel when she was praying to God with great fervor. Yes, that's a very common opinion in a tradition that uh, the Gospel just says that the, the angel enters and salutes Our Lady, but they, they all say that it was when Our Lady was uh, praying with very great fervor to God that he should send the, the Messiah, actually. And uh, in fact, I have a, a nice quote from uh, Venerable Louis of Granada, who is an excellent spiritual author, a classic. So he says, When the angel greeted the Blessed Virgin, we can imagine that he found her in the seclusion of her oratory. For although her home was humble, there was most likely a room set aside for prayer. It is especially credible that at the time of the Annunciation, 
Mary's soul was wrapped in contemplation, as many of the saints believe. So again, that's a very common opinion, is Our Lady uh, is greeted by the angel precisely when she's praying with great fervor. Seems like the most fitting time. Yes, yes. So as we said before, the Annunciation is obviously a key moment in the life of Our Lady and in the history of our redemption. What can we say on this point further, Father? Well, I would say um, that the importance of the, of the fiat is actually beyond all comprehension. Uh, because according to the plan of divine providence, the incarnation of the world, and therefore the salvation of the, of the whole world, depended on the fiat of Our Lady as a condition. And that is the reason why from the earliest days, really the fathers, doctors, the saints, the theologians, have always wondered at the sublimity of the, of the fiat of Our Lady, uh, which was, for the reasons we mentioned, <coughs> excuse me, it was the beginning of our salvation because it brought down from heaven the Redeemer of the world. It's truly amazing how those few words of Our Lady, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word, could have had such an effect. For those of our listeners who know little or know Latin, fiat is the Latin verb meaning let it be done. In this particular instance, it meant she freely and mercifully consented to what the angel proposed to her, namely to become the mother of our Redeemer. Yes, and in fact, concerning the word fiat, the Vulgate has the same word when uh, in the beginning of uh, Genesis, uh, it describes the creation of the world. So we have, when God says, be light made, in the Latin is fiat lux. So the holy doctors have always compared the two fiats, the one by which God, in his, uh, through his omnipotence, made all things out of nothing. And then the second fiat, the one of Our Lady, and in the second fiat, Our Lady, by her humility, so much pleased uh, the Son of God, uh, who is the uncreated light, as to draw him from heaven to her womb. So in our word, the holy doctors have always pointed out that the first fiat brought about creation and the second fiat gave us the incarnation and through the incarnation, the redemption. That's a striking comparison of the fathers and one worth meditating upon for sure. Do you have um, any quotes from the saints perhaps on this point? Yes, there are actually many very good ones. I chose one from St. John Eudes. Uh, which is found in the book, the great book, The Admirable Heart of Mary, which, by the way, I recommend to all of those who want to foster devotion to the Immaculate Heart. It's one of the best, if not the best book on the, on the subject. And it is actually easily available now, even in digital format, like Kindle and whatnot, and it's, um, it's very economical. But anyway, this saint in, in the book says, as a, a passage which is a bit long, but I think it's worth to go, uh, to go through it because what St. John Hughes does is he actually gathers the best quotes from the fathers on the subject and puts them together very, very nicely. So he says, Mary's obedience to God's adorable will caused Mary to utter the divine fiat, more admirable in a way that the fiat whereby God created the universe. God's fiat created the world but Mary's fiat was the occasion by which God became man and man God. St. Bernard says, We were all created by God's eternal word, and behold, we die. 
in thy brief answer, namely fiat, we find a new being and are called back to life. I dare affirm of the Blessed Virgin, writes Saint Anselm, what Saint John has said of the eternal world, namely, that as nothing was made without him, so also nothing was remade without her. The great God accomplishes more through the Blessed Virgin's fiat than through his own. Why? Because God's fiat was a fiat of command, whereas the Blessed Virgin's fiat was a fiat of obedience. What greater praise, continues St. John, could be pronounced concerning the obedience of the glorious Mother of the Savior? How admirable! Nothing is made save through Mary's hands, says St. Bernard, and God himself became man only after that admirable virgin had said fiat. Let us listen also to St. Andrew of Jerusalem, who says, God ordered light to be made, and all things were made. The Blessed Virgin says, Be done unto me according to thy word, and the greatest of all things was accomplished. God's fiat is a fiat of command. The fiat of the Mother of God is a fiat of obedience. By God's command, heaven and earth were made. By the Blessed Virgin's obedience, the admirable incarnation of the eternal word followed. So that's a quote of St. John Butte's, a very, very nice quote. It's really quite amazing. We can really see how much we owe to our Blessed Mother, since it was through her charity for us that she accepted to become the Mother of the Redeemer. How can we ever thank her enough? I mean, it's just without her, without her becoming the mother of the Redeemer, where would we be? How can we love her enough since after God, all our good has come to us through her? Yes, yes, it's a, a very important point. And in fact, after God, we owe to Our Lady all our blessings because as we saw, she freely gave her fiat, her consent. And it was through that fiat that we received Jesus, our Savior, and in him and through him eternal salvation. So it is, we see that it is with the greatest reason that as our lady prophesied, all generations shall call her blessed. And we also hope and pray to God to obtain the grace to bless our lady and thank her in heaven. Yes, truly may our lady obtain for us and all our listeners the grace to be able to thank her in heaven for all eternity. So, Father, we saw that Our Lady's consent to become the Mother of the Redeemer was necessary according to the plan of Providence for the Incarnation. From this we see why it makes all the sense that God should have sent an angel to announce to Our Lady that she had been chosen to become, if she consented to it, the Mother of the Promised Messiah. I said it makes all the sense because one cannot freely and meritoriously consent to something one does not know, and such a sublime mystery and privilege could only be disclosed to the Virgin by God or someone to whom he revealed it. It is hard to imagine someone more suited for this than one of his angels. Uh, yes, that's correct. Um, uh, St. Thomas speaks actually at length of how fitting it was uh, that an angel would be sent. Now, we don't have the time in a, in a show to go through it, but what I would like to remark here is that, speaking absolutely, God could have obviously brought about the incarnation uh, of the Redeemer in, in the Blessed Virgin's womb without asking her consent, uh, just as he did, for example, in a similar way, as he formed it from Adam when Adam was asleep. So that would have been possible, but God did not wish that Our Lady become the Mother of God in that way. Uh, God wanted that Our Lady 
should become the mother of God in a much more fitting way, which reflected better his uh, God's in, uh, ineffable wisdom. And that way was the following, that Our Lady become the mother of God in a free and meritorious way. That is, knowing beforehand what this would entail and then freely accepting it and in this way meriting uh, immensely. That was clearly more fitting and it does show more the wisdom of God's providence, especially with regard to us men who are uh, free creatures. And it also gives more uh, honor to the Blessed Virgin herself because it gave her an occasion of, um, of merit and therefore of glory. Uh, so to say it in a word, God in his wisdom uh, had decreed that the incarnation would take place only after the Blessed Virgin should give her free consent to it. And that is why uh, the fathers rightly say that upon the Virgin's reply to the angel depended the salvation of the human race. So do you have any passages from the fathers on this point that you could share with us, Father? Yes, one of the most beautiful pages, in my opinion, ever written are the uh, St. Bernard's description of essentially the scene of the Annunciation. And uh, so we can read from that. Uh, so the Holy Doctor actually addresses Our Lady in this, in this uh, sermon in the following way. You have been told that you will conceive and bring forth. You have heard that this will not be the work of man, but of the Holy Ghost. The angel awaits your answer, for the moment is at hand when he must return to God, who sent him. And we too, O Lady, await your word of compassion. We who are wretchedly weighed down by the sentence of condemnation. Behold, the price of our salvation is offered to you. If you give your consent, we shall be freed at once. We have all been created by the eternal word of God, and we have died. By your brief answer, we are to be restored, in order to return to life. This, O love and virgin, Adam and his wretched descendants beg of you, having been cast out of paradise. This, Abraham and David implore, and all the fathers also, your ancestors, as well as those who dwell in the valley of death. The whole world, on bended knee, begs for this answer, and not without reason, for on your word depends the consolation of the wretched, the redemption of the captives, the deliverance of the condemned, and the salvation of all the sons of Adam. O Virgin, give your answer quickly. Speak, O Lady, speak the word which the earth and heaven are awaiting. The King and Lord of all greatly desires your answer, with which he has determined to repair human nature. Answer with one word and receive another word. Give your word and receive the divine word. Give your passing word and receive the eternal word. No wonder St. Bernard is called the mellifluous doctor. Those words are full of unction. Yes, yes. And what I would add here is that, obviously, as our listeners uh, know, immediately after our lady pronounced those words, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be done to me according to thy word. At that moment, the divine word became incarnate in her immaculate womb through the working of the Holy Ghost. Through the working of the Holy Ghost, we say because this work is appropriated uh, to him because it is a work of goodness and of love which are appropriated to the Holy Ghost. When you look at Our Lady's conduct during the Annunciation for our own imitation, several virtues stand out. 
we see her profound chastity. She has made a vow of virginity and prudently questions how these things can be in light of her vow. And we can once again see the importance of chastity. She does not consent until she knows her vow will not be broken. Yes, and in fact, the authors say that uh, Our Lady's own words, how shall this be done because I know not man, they actually testify with certainty to her vow of virginity and to the great esteem which she had uh, for that virtue. Additionally, we see her profound humility and also her resignation to the will of God. You know, Father, when meditating on this mystery during the rosary, it's instructive to juxtapose how we as humans normally react and how Our Lady reacted. Our Lady does not put any emphasis on her will when accepting. It is all about God's will. And when we think about ourselves, you know, maybe one's boss offers a promotion that we've wanted, and instantly we say yes, because we want it. But here Our Lady is offered this unthinkable privilege, and her response is not, yes, I want this, but a thy will be done response. Yes, actually, that's, that's a very, very true. Uh, in fact, obviously, what we uh, see in, in the Annunciation is Our Lady's total self-forgetfulness. We see her highest uh, humility, actually. As you said, she thought not of her own will, but only on God's will, and uh, also on what the Incarnation would do for God's glory and also for our salvation. So uh, a complete for, uh, forgetfulness of self, uh, which is humility. And then God actually obviously regarded her, her humility, and in fact, so much so that actually the Holy Doctors always stress that our Lady had obviously all the virtues in, in the highest degree, but what um, moved uh, the Son of God to come from heaven to earth, to, to her bosom, was actually her humility above all the other virtues. And um, so I think that's an important point. And uh, actually, St. Alfonso uh, writes on this point, and he has a very nice quote. Uh, Thus says St. Bernard, this innocent virgin, although by her virginity she rendered herself dear to God, yet by humility afterwards rendered herself worthy, as much as a creature can render itself worthy, to be made the mother of her Creator. Although she pleased by her virginity, by her humility she conceived. And St. Jerome confirms this by saying that God chose her for his own mother more for her humility than for all her other sublime virtues. So I think we have here uh, another uh, proof of, uh, of how a key aspect of devotion to Our Lady is to imitate her in humility. And we can also see the importance of silence in the Annunciation, Father. It was in the silence of the night as Our Lady prayed that the angel came to her. I've heard it been said that it's in silence that God communicates to us. And we can see this through sacred scripture as our Lord and other figures go into solitude to pray and meditate. And that is when God worked in them and will work in us. But modern man today, does, does he have any silence? Not really. I mean, when you go out in public, there's sure to be music blasting from speakers, constant noise and news, our phones drawing our attention. So just how important is it to our spiritual lives to cultivate silence, Father? It is extremely important. Uh, and we can see it in, uh, by this fact that all religious orders in the history of the church have made uh, of silence and ascetical practice, that is, they have certain times of the day in which they, on purpose and according to rule, keep silence. 
this is also seen in the even in the secular clergy, which you know, according to the rules of life, etc., there is always a, a time of silence. And the reason is that the the spirit of prayer can hardly be kept if there is not if we don't have some external silence. And uh, we can see even by experience that we normally we pray better in silence and we reflect more in silence and we can think more easily upon uh, invisible things and eternal things. And therefore, as you mentioned, God uh, speaks to us. That is, he gives us his special lights and, and inspirations, especially in silence. Uh, he's not bound to do it in that time, but ordinarily he does so. And, uh, and also there is another point is that if one prays uh, daily and even several times a day, as one should, one uh, gets at prayer a certain, even say, a spirit of devotion or of prayer, but that spirit of devotion is extremely difficult to keep unless we have some silence, some, some external silence. Because otherwise, we, if we get involved too easily or too much in external conversations and activities and occupations, then that spirit of devotion naturally tends to be stifled or dissipated. It's certainly a... Um challenge for all our listeners to go ahead and, and cultivate silence in their lives now after that. Yes. So perhaps in the future we may do an entire episode on the Angelus, but having just finished our discussion on the Annunciation, it seems the most fitting time to recommend this devotion to our listeners, Father. Um, and it's not only to be said at noon. The typical thought is always at noon, but it's also said in the morning and the evening. Yes, it's actually meant to be said. The normal thing would be say the three times and uh, yes it's a, a beautiful devotion and it's also easy uh, it helps to keep uh, also uh, an order in prayer that is it keeps a certain regularity in, in prayer and uh, well the church gave indulgences uh, to it and has always recommended the angelus so by all means I, I think it's a very a very good way to honor our lady well, that brings us to the end of today's episode, Father. Is there anything else you would like to add before we close it out? Yes, I will say a point on the salutation of the angel, a hell full of grace. Uh, that salutation that we saw today in the Annunciation was the beginning of our salvation. And therefore, I encourage our listeners to repeat this first salutation, and we do it obviously in the Hail Mary, not only in the Rosary, we should say the Rosary every day, but also outside of it, of it that is, a suitable time. Sometimes we have some free time, and it is a very pious custom to say to say a Hail Mary here and there. Um, if we do so, we will please Our Lady very much, and then Our Lady uh, uh, will give us many blessings, and she will actually lead us safely to eternal salvation. I think that's an excellent way to finish the episode. Thank you for your time, Father. And we will talk to you again next time as we continue this series. God Thank bless you. you. God bless you.